0: Hey Rebels, welcome to another episode of Rebel Parenting. I hope your weekend is starting out great because we've got a perfect program for this weekend. Why? Because it's Mother's Day and we've got a great guest. Her name is Rebecca Lyons and she has a book out called You Are Free, B who you already are. I'm gonna read a little bit of her bio and then I'm gonna tell you what it really means in uh, Ryan Dobson speak. It says, Rebecca is a mother of three, wife of one, and dog walker of two, living in Nashville, Tennessee. She reveals her own battles to overcome anxiety, depression, and consumer impulses, challenging women to discover and boldly pursue the calling God has for them. As a self-confessed mess, Rebecca wears her heart on her sleeve, a benefit to friends and readers alike. She is the founder of Q Women and co-founder of Q Ideas, a nonprofit that convenes and equips Christians to influence culture. And she does this alongside her husband Gabe. And you can find Rebecca at rebeccalions.com, Lions spelled with a Y. Let me tell you, she was so vulnerable, so open, so honest, and so helpful. You know, we say on rebel parenting, the loudest voice in a woman's head is the one that says she's doing a bad job. And I don't believe that, and this is going to help the moms out there. So play this for your wife, play it for your mom, but you are going to get a lot out of this broadcast. Before we get to the program, don't miss me every Monday and Friday, Facebook Live, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, facebook.com slash Dobson. news, current events, politics, all the things that are going on. In fact, I've got a great story for you on Monday about my dad, Trump, and the White House. How about that? That's coming up this Monday on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash J Ryan Dobson. And once again, thank you for subscribing to the podcast and rating and reviewing us. I want to give a special shout out today to Olivia Louise81 and Our Customs. You gave Rebel Parenting a review, a five-star review. You can give us any review, but I just appreciate it. It helps spread the word, and uh, we see the numbers growing each and every week, all due to you sharing it with your friends. Once again, sign up for the newsletter by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. Put 444 where the phone number goes, then text the word REBEL. You'll get text alerts for the live videos and our newsletter each and every week. But let's not waste any more of your precious, precious time. Here is our friend, Rebecca Lyons, talking about her book, You Are Free, Be Who You Already Are, on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Rebecca, I'm so excited about this book. Uh, We've been reading it. Our producer's been reading it. We've told some people on Facebook, and they are so excited about You Are Free. So thanks for coming on Rebel Parenting today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
0: Oh, definitely. And we love your husband. I've interviewed him in the past and it's been a long time, but definitely say hi to him as well. I will. <laughs> I like the topic too. You know, I've written a number of books now and they're really hard. It's hard to write a book. It's, it's emotional. It's vulnerable. All of those things. What compelled you to write this? I mean, I love the subtitle be who you already are. It's such a great message. What was around you or in your life that you just said, I've got to write this.
1: Well, you know, when someone says that, that subtitle to me is an exhale that we all are waiting for. I think, I think, especially um, for some of us. I mean, I grew up in the church and um, I found faith at a young age. And as I describe early on in the book, I felt the most free when I was alone with God in the secret place. Whether it was riding my ten-speed, you know, at dusk around my neighborhood, or running on the beach or dancing around my living room when no one was around. There was a sense of freedom and vitality that came from just being God's child. Mm. And then the minute I would step foot into um, people, (laughs) like have to be around people, they're all human, right? But step into church or step into school or step into um, competitions of extracurricular activities, there would all of a sudden be this need to to keep up, to measure up, yeah. mm-hmm. to perform, to be enough. I never felt that limitation from God or, or that measurement from him so much, just the two of us. But with people, I definitely felt this need to to win the approval of men and women and friends and siblings because we all want to be known and we want to be liked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it will come from a place of wounding or a place of insecurity. And and unfortunately, no matter how old you are, even in your you can still feel like you're in seventh grade sometimes, and you'd rather not, but that's the reality. And so finally, I just felt like part of this message came from a deep burning desire from within um, to find my own voice and to not always feel like it had to be validated by somebody else's voice and to trust that the Spirit of God lives in me and can speak directly to me um, through the faith of a child, like a still small voice that wants the truth of, of scripture to just stay simple and plain. And and so that's how these last three years have been. I had to kind of start with a confession that I didn't think God was enough. I had to tell him that your approval is not enough. I need the approval of men and women. Um, once I started speaking or writing, I, I wanted to read the reviews or watch the retweets and all the things that perpetuates this Yeah need to perform and it, it hit me like head on i was like rebecca you're calling you can wake into your calling and still not be free and if you're not careful especially in the church space this will just become a prettier version of striving
0: definitely it reminds me i hate to even say it the chain smoker song selfie where uh there's a, a a line in it where the girl said you know the, the picture i just posted only got five likes should i take it down and that's right. a, it's a real conversation people have. Like, and not enough people like that photo. Maybe I shouldn't show anybody
1: else. Yeah. Right. And to be quite gutting honest, I, that has crossed my mind since social media began a decade ago. Like, maybe this didn't resonate. I wonder why. What could I have said differently? I mean, to even ask that question or to feel that at our core, mm.
2: that,
1: that our honesty might be rejected or our vulnerability might be too much for someone else to handle you know we live in a society now that measures everyone in an instant with with a double tap and so you're 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 literally walking through life being measured and approved of or disapproved of in real time and so why wouldn't that create this unrest in all of us and this mm-hmm. This, mm-hmm. this this inferiority complex or this the spirit of diminishment, honestly, on a lot of us that feel like, well, if I don't have this quote unquote platform, then I have nothing to offer, which is a, an absolute lie because the kingdom obviously tells us that the things that are done in secret <laughs> are the things that God sees and that those rewards are in heaven. And those who minister, um, without any fanfare are the ones who are the stories that make me weep the most. The, the friends I know who are doing beautiful work that never gets, um, published. Yeah. Published. you know, published. Yeah. Exactly. Those are the ones I'm being mentored by. I'm being mentored by them. I was like, I want this purity of heart because God looks at the heart and that's, what we're all after that's awesome. Hey, awesome Rebecca, i just wanted to ask you a couple questions about your
2: book and you talk about can we really be free like so if you could share with us a little bit about your story and how i mean i just loved hearing how god radically healed you if you could just share with our listeners a little bit about that and the question can we really be free
1: Yes, I would love to. Thank you for asking. A little quick backstory on me is that our family moved from the the sprawling metro North Atlanta area, mm. um, very southern, large yards, you know, a loop de loop water slide at our neighborhood pool. So we moved from there to <laughs> to the upper east side of Manhattan in twenty ten and at that point our kids were four, seven and nine. Wow. And- yeah. yeah. Most a, people leave, leave the city when their kids get that age. And we decided <laughs> we were going to enter the city <laughs> at that age. And um, it was quite, um, it, it was the beginning of a crash and burn. And that, I described that in You Are Free. And I'm sorry, I described that in Free Fall to Fly. And, uh, within about four months I developed panic disorder and I described a little bit of this in the beginning of this book. And so up how- until then you had had none,
2: no encounters with, uh, panic disorders or anxieties. No.
1: Okay. No. Um, yeah, I, I had, um, a little bit of seasonal winter blues, I would say oh, okay. that there's mm-hmm into that, but it was just like, you know, it was gray and it was Eeyore weather all winter long and you wouldn't walk outside. You'd just go straight from your house to the car in the garage and I just wasn't out enough. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't anything like what happened in New York and that definitely escalated everything because a panic attack is when your body's responding in a way that your mind can't even understand. Yes. It's as if you've got to escape this space that you're in or you'll die. And you know that's not true, but that's the fear that takes over. Mm -hmm. And it
0: doesn't matter that you know it's not true. I get panic attacks too. So I got a couple this week and I hate it. I hate it. I know it's irrational. I know I can tell myself all the reasons why my fears aren't there, why they don't, why it's not true. There's no basis for them. And my body goes, don't care, got to run, you know, and just that whole freak out where I sweat profusely and my heart races like crazy. And, and I, you know, I understand that it's what a terrifying thing to not have an experience that before. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're having a heart attack. That is frightening. Yeah, it's frightening.
1: Well, and I did go to the doctor and maybe you did too. And many have when this happens, because we do think there's something wrong with our heart. We're like, what's going on? And I went and checked all clear several times and I kept trying to convince them like, no, this is happening. What's going on? And one day my doctor said, I think your body's responding to something that's deeper. Like your body is reacting to something that you're, maybe your mind or your heart doesn't even have an ability to process. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're my doctor. You're not supposed <laughs> to be telling me this. <laughs>
0: yeah, you've got a good doctor on your hands.
1: I know. and it, But it did. It po- caused me to consider... Um, what what was this coming from and why? I mean, obviously the obvious things are New York is 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. So of course <laughs> you're more prone to feel claustrophobic or be in tight spaces or feel mm-hmm. crowded. And that can certainly escalate. But what I learned with stress, the stress of the city for me is it squeezes whatever it might be lying dormant inside. It squeezes it out. There's no room to hide or to kind of tuck away and, um, and, you know, be invisible. No, you have to be in the middle of it. And so it forced these things to the surface that I probably would have never known were there. Um, these inner, I would say deeper heart, um, things that I just never had to wrestle down. And this, you are free book really while, while free fall fly is more on the external um, rescue moment that the Lord took me through and walking out a healing journey, I would say you are free is more of an inner healing journey um, because it is all connected. I do definitely believe because God crafts us in our mother's womb in Psalm 139 and the way he knits us is so intentional that that our physical response and our spiritual response and our emotional response, they're all connected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is just getting the right support and even counseling along with psychiatric help if you need that you know to come do this holistic approach in every way um so that we're not just looking at the symptoms but we're actually looking at the root Mm. and so that's been helpful for me um but long story short that lasted about a year and then a year later in september in the middle of the night i was having a normal panic attack at three in the morning and my husband's praying over me i can't find my voice because i'm too busy gasping for you know air through the the heart racing and finally i i think the lord just gave me my voice in that moment and i raised my hand and i in the dark and i just said rescue me Mm -hmm. deliver me i cannot do this without you and in that moment my body just fell flat on the bed and stopped and it was mid panic attack and for those who've had those you know that that's not how it happens you know how it happens (laughs) (laughs)
0: Laura witnesses my panic attacks. It is not how it happens. Do you know what's funny is I told her the other day, every now and then it'll be so bad that I get in the shower and I turn it all the way to cold. When I woke up this morning, it was 27 degrees outside. And I turned the shower 100% to cold and got in to shock my body out of
2: what's going on.
0: And it's it's super extreme. Yeah. Um, but there but are times right it's super
2: where I... affordable, and the repercussions <laughs> of going on—you know—he's not on any medications, and, and if yeah. you're on medications, totally fine. Get it? I mean, you say in your book one and four are now on medication. Yeah. Um, but this is an easy way to snap. Snap it out, out of it. It, yeah.
0: it doesn't work it. for everybody, and it doesn't work for me every time, but it's, and I hate it. Yeah. It's really hard to do. I mean, it's hard to, you know, be in a panic attack and then go, hey, you know what's really good right now? I'm going to go make myself suffer more in the moment. Right.
1: But, right.
2: But I love your story about being set free from it because I think that's what people are craving and desiring. Yeah. They don't want this in their lives anymore. So, I mean, I just love your vulnerability, Rebecca.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, before this rescue even happened, there was a a moment that happened and I'm going to share it here. I didn't write it in the book and I eventually will probably write it at some point, but about a month or two months after that first panic attack on the airplane, um, flying back to New York, we'd only lived there four months. We were leaving Atlanta from a trip heading back and then it started on planes and trains and elevators and crowds. And it basically had a meltdown at the Macy's parade. It just went on and on and on. well, my my aunt died unexpectedly. She was diagnosed with stage four um, pancreatic cancer, and I went. To, I had to get back on a plane to go to her funeral, and so I had to just board, knowing like I'm going for a reason and a purpose, and this is stronger than whatever I'm afraid of on this plane. And so I remember coming home that night late. I had to land back in. I was alone. I had to land back in LaGuardia after midnight, after being at her funeral, mm. and hit the same turbulence that had started this whole thing in October. And I remember my body responding in the same exact way as if I was going through a panic attack. But in the, in the middle of the attack, like imagine this in the middle of my body going insane, like crazy heart rate, you know, like beating out of my chest. Mm -hmm. I pictured in my mind, my aunt, seeing the eyes of Jesus for the first time, like seeing the face of Jesus, and them looking at each other <laughs> dead on. And there was something about that that I just held in my mind, while the plane, you know, slowly landed mm-hmm. safe- safely. And while my body still responded in utter panic, I was able to sit in it and just like just literally picture the face and the eyes and the gaze of Jesus with my aunt. And it kept kept me calm in the seat. It was so strange. It was almost like by the time we landed, I felt more equipped to face the fear. I felt like, you know, if God, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and he blankets us Mm -hmm. in peace and you know peace is what we want when we ha- are full of anxiety and fear then how are we going to invite him and his peace into the middle of the moment where we are most afraid and that's how i started to um respond to these i would just like cry out his name i would mm. i would literally just say blanket me with your peace blanket me with your peace like co- like cover me cover me, and make the peace stronger than the fear. Yeah. Um, and when you think about it, perfect love casts out fear. We know that, right? That's a yeah, script. Um, there's no fear in love, and this perfect love casts out fear. And anxiety for me became a fancy word for fear. So I would always posture myself, and I'm not saying it wasn't hard. It wasn't like I still didn't undergo these things, but sure. I started to respond always with truth, with scripture, mm. and my life verse was always from a kid, and who has this as a life verse as a kid? Hello. Um, my life verse was always, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind, which is crazy, because of course, I didn't have a sound mind at that time. Um, <laughs> and I thought, okay, then if God, if what you say, and this is kind of the point of this book, if what your scripture says is true, mm. if you're good on who you say you actually are, then even in the middle of a panic disorder, I can actually trust that you're going to turn this around. You're going to show up in the middle of it. You're going to show me a power that maybe I have not experienced from you yet. And I want to invite that in right now. And so that kind kind of became a way of engaging him in the moment when it would start. I would literally just kind of whisper prayer a a hymn a psalm and then always it would be like blanket me with your peace and so even today I don't have panic attacks anymore I have anxiety stress anxiety where I can't get a deep breath when I'm in the middle of a very busy season um I did have a little episode when I got locked in a bathroom about three months ago and I kind of went bananas out of nowhere and that was discouraging because I was like it's been five years and I have a panic attack and here it is right at the surface but even then, in that moment, what was so crazy is I look up in this bathroom. I'm on this like hillside of California in this home, and it's vacant. Nobody's there. There's no way to get out. The walls are made of concrete, and I look up, and there's this tiny little window open above the toilet, and I literally just slid right out. Really?
0: Oh my yeah. goodness! So you literally and got locked in a bathroom in a an empty house.
1: Story. Yes. Yes. Okay. And I and I'm starting to freak, like full yeah. on panic, as if it was 2011. For yeah. sure. <laughs> And I was like, I am not going to make it. My phone literally died right as I was turning the knob. And it was an old house built in like the early 1900s. And, you know, it was like an old doorknob. And there was no there was no contacting anyone or, or getting out. And the, and, the, and the door was heavy duty, hard, like solid wood. Scary up- story produces anxiety. <laughs> so for <developed>. sure! <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I know. I'm starting to sweat myself. Yeah, yeah. So I look up, and there's an open window, and it's ju- it's not big, but it's just enough for me to slide through. And I, so I quickly like hoist myself up <gasps> on the toilet and get out the window, and I land on the on the on the cliffs. Really, we're like literally overlooking the water, and I started to cry because I was like, first of all, I can either a be uh, be like discouraged that that. I'm still get afraid very quickly. Yeah. Or I could be reminded that you always make a way out. Mm.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. And that's where I choose a little window. Yes. Wow, that's beautiful.
1: I'm like, that's where I choose to just stay is that no matter what we come against, like, Jesus is very clear, you're going to have trial, you're going to have trouble, you're going to have trouble is really tribula, which means tribulation. I mean, he's, he's basically saying the world hated me, and you're going to as followers of me encounter um, opposition, like, don't be afraid of it. It's it's not, it's not that it's not going to happen. It's like, do you trust me? Mm -hmm. And it gets scary that I will make a way out. And that has like had to be my mantra going forward because we don't all get healed and so that we'll never struggle again. No, we walk a healing journey of faithful reliance on him mm-hmm. and knowing that he will give us what we need and he'll always make a way of escape. And so for panic people like me, <laughs> that's really comforting, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, it really is. It absolutely is. Uh, And I love that you celebrated the small victory. That's one of our big mantras on Rebel Parenting. Celebrate the small victories. Don't focus on the negatives. Yeah, you had a panic attack, but let me tell you, being locked in a concrete room when you have no way out and your cell phone dies and no way to contact anybody, that's a really good reason for a panic attack. It's a fantastic reason for one. And you celebrated the small victories I love that. You know, Rebecca, we come from a similar background. You come from a Baptist background. I come from a Wesleyan background. Very conservative. Um, Some might say legalistic at times. Yeah. When you talk about miraculous healing, how does that play into? You know, I know it's so much more common to talk about today. But when I was growing up, I mean, yes, in the Bible, sure. Um, But what I heard most of the time was, "Yes, Jesus can heal you, Ryan." But he might not, he might choose not to, and what I kind of heard was most of the time he's going to choose not to heal you miraculously, most of the time you're going to suffer through this, or a doctor, something will go along, but how has your theological background, you know, walked through this miraculous healing?
1: Well, the the great thing about God is He gave me a story, and because I've always been a chronic oversharer, He knew that He would give me something that I couldn't be quiet about. Mm. I didn't use the H word for a couple of years because I did feel confused by it. I felt like God is not an alienating God. Why would one of us cry out and? find this in a moment? Why do other of us walk this out for years? Why do some of us feel like he's silent? You know, and I had to wrestle through this. Um, A couple years later, um, and I write about this in Free to Ask chapter, um, I started getting people asking me more and more, but really unpack like how that went and what was that like that night? And have you had panic since? And Finally, I was, I stumbled across Revelation twelve eleven where he says, um, the enemy is bound by two things and it's Christ's blood in your story. And I think Jesus was looking at me going, well, I did my part. Like, are you actually going to be honest with the nature of who I am as healer? And I had to just confess that, that I was more concerned about reputation than, than just being truthful with, with the rescue that God did. And I think of Psalm, I read Psalm 18 around that time where David talks about be, um, being in a pit. I mean, I resonate so much with him because mm. he, he might as well be bipolar. Because of the way the <laughs> Psalms read, I yeah. felt very kindred to him. I was like, it's either high or it's low, but the Lord is always near him. He's a man after God's own heart. And in Psalm 18, he says, you rescued me. You reached down from on high and you rescued me because you delighted in me. And it was almost like the kindness of God flooded over me and just said, Yeah, you are Jehovah Rapha. The nature of you is healer. And and how who are we to say in our finite minds how you do that today? I'm and and, and so I got real open with the Lord in that season, um, you know, about a year and a half after all this, you know, moment of panic disorder rescue moment. I just said, Lord, I don't want to limit my my previous notions or understanding of how powerful you want to be in our generation, or how present and how. If so, so here's what here's the deal. I am not. I invite you in to do whatever it is you want to do to show me and reveal whatever it is you want me to know about your nature, and it, and if it even gets crazy, I'll um you know. I'll, I'll have accountability with yeah. my sister and my husband. Mm-hmm. I just want to be open. I want to have an open childlike faith to your move. And and so since then, I started asking people at the end of, sometimes I would teach and I'd just say, hey, if anybody wants prayer for anything, I'm happy to pray. I'm like, I'm not promising anything. You know, I'd always disclaim it and kind of laugh because I'm never one to presume. Obviously, we can't to know how God is going to move and in what nature and in what way and and what timing, but I do think he invites us to ask. And he says, will you, are you really willing to be vulnerable and risk the ask without disarming and saying, well, maybe you won't, it's okay if you don't, but just say, this is my cry. This is my desperate cry and and invite him in. And what's been so sweet about that story about being just saying, I'm open, I'm free to ask for something that's beyond my imagination or comprehension. Um, What has been so amazing is women, and I don't write about this because that's not the point, I have been, people have reached out to me for the last couple years, and they'll sometimes come up to me, or they'll email me, or they'll message me, and they'll say, you don't remember me, but A year ago, you prayed with me for stage four brain cancer, or for this, for that, and for this. And it got to where I just started crying every time because they would say, "I'm in remission," or um, "My hair started growing back during chemo," or um, um, "I was infertile for years, and then I got pregnant that next week." It was just, you know, and I think it was God's kindness to say all to all of us, like, "Don't be afraid to ask." Yeah. And and I think in our culture, especially secular culture, says, "No, your label is this." Yeah when you have these deficiencies we're going to label you by your brokenness you're going to take mm. on the identity of that brokenness mm. and then and then by taking on that identity and saying i'm this i'm that i'm the other and i need all this for this and that and the other um, instead of just saying no my identity is in christ alone mm. i might be a, i might be th- attacked in these areas i might be uh tempted or tormented in some of these areas. But these do not win. These are not the end of the story. These do not form who I am in Christ. Mm. So if if Christ is greater, and his death and resurrection is greater than all the things that I, that I face, then I have to hang my hat at night on that. Yeah, I love you talking. It just keep,
2: brings to my mind just the idea of sometimes in my life, I have to remind myself, wait, I am born again. I am a new creation and I have to lock into that identity that you're talking about. Who does Christ say I am? Right. And I love that as you started talking about your healing and how it can sometimes when we're sick and we're we're struggling with something, we can just look at ourselves and not see others around us. Um, You talked about that. How did that shift for you in your life?
1: Well, when you're sick, you only see inward. And when the scales fall from your eyes, the way I describe it, I think of the blind man at the pool, right? He couldn't see anything. The pool is And Jesus heals him. And he says, I once was blind, and now I can see. And he's literally telling the religious leaders, like, maybe he's the son of God, because they're scratching their heads, and they don't know why Jesus is doing all these things. And this is a man who was blind his entire life, who informs the people at the temple, like, Maybe he's the son of God. All of a sudden, he has crystal clarity on who the Messiah was that just healed him. And I think about for all of us, when we when we um, encounter Jesus in whatever way that looks like, you think of the woman at the well, all of a sudden she looks at him. She, he says, I'm he, the one who speaks to you. And it, it no. clicks. Her and she runs and tells the whole village. Comes the man. It's like every time each of us individually, and not, and I, I'm not even saying this is a corporate thing. I think in a, the solitude and the stillness of a secret place, when we are alone before Him and we encounter His presence in a way that changes us, then all of a sudden our perspective on His capability and His power mm-hmm. shifts. And all of a sudden he grows our faith in that moment. And we start to imagine with a holy imagination, not our limited finite picture of how to solve the current problem in front of us. Mm.
0: Wow. Rebecca. I mean, if we thought the book was good, this broadcast just blew me away. Thank you so much. Your vulnerability really is a healer. It just is. It allows people to be broken. It allows people to be broken and then look for healing, not to be defined by it, but to look forward to the future You've given people so much hope, but not empty hope. You know, this is a journaling book. Laura talks about, she loves the the journaling aspect. You ask questions, she can write things down and then look back on it and go, oh, that's right. That's how I was feeling. I mean, it's so great. We really do appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's a joy always. You guys are fun. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, we would love to have you back anytime. I mean, we're we're just such huge fans. Thank you for being on.
1: Oh, absolutely. Have a wonderful day. You, you too. too. God bless. Okay. Talk to you soon.
0: Oh, Rebecca, you're a joy. Thank you so much. I was so perfect.
1: Oh, thank you. You guys are awesome. I wish you could have gone on. I know I could just talk forever, but I appreciate so much just honing in on the things you wanted to, to address and even giving me a chance to talk about that topic because some people kind of run from it, so I appreciate
2: it. No, oh yeah, we no. are not running from it. We're not. And I like your yeah. experience. It's like your book is experiential, and I mm-hmm. just think for this next generation and people to come, it's it, it's going to be a huge uh, mm-hmm. resource in supporting people. So, mm-hmm. Thanks.
1: Thank you, guys. Have a great day.
0: Oh, Rebels, what a great broadcast and what a great way to kick off this Mother's Day weekend. Moms, you are free. Be who you already are. Dads, you are too. Spouses, couples, Teach your kids that. They are free to be who they are in Christ. What a great message from Rebecca Lyons. Find Rebecca at RebeccaLyons.com. Lyons spelled with a Y. Find me every Monday and Friday, 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern, on Facebook Live. Facebook.com slash Dobson. And last but not least, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. God bless. Have a great weekend. Love you all. See you next week.